let's get going. So we're doing things a little bit different today. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Brett and I went out to uh, Creighton, Nebraska, uh, Friday and last night. We got home about 1.30 this morning. And uh, Chad was out there, Chad Gonzalez and stuff. So we went out there to be a part of what was going on there. It was pretty, it was, it was good. It was really good meetings and stuff. Uh, we saw some cool stuff going on. You know, the Lord's still moving. And uh, I really believe that this year is just, you know, it's, it's brick upon brick. And I think for those of us that were around in the 80s and 90s to relive the glory days of those revivals and those meetings that took place that were marathons, because we were laughing and, uh, you know, like on a Sunday morning, it was not terribly uncommon to be 2 o'clock in the afternoon before you'd head home. And in some of those night meetings, it might be midnight. You know, you just, you just didn't know. Because the Lord was moving, and, and I really believe that the Lord is, is going to be moving in those ways again, um, not just to keep you here for long periods of time, but we're going to see some <laughs> incredible things that are happening. But anyway, so Jim this week had some stuff on his heart um, that he wanted to share, and so we want to give that opportunity what the Lord put on, and then uh, and we got someone else that's going to share after. So, Jim, the floor is yours. Lord, we just give you thanks this morning, Father God. We thank you for this time that we have together, Lord. Father, we thank you for what an awesome God you are. Lord, we just desire to do your will. Lord, we desire to be in your thoughts. Hallelujah. Lord, we just give you thanks. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this pastor. Lord, we just give you thanks in everything that we do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> well, I'm already going a different route than I started. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just give me a minute. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. They're irrevocable. Now we can we can take and we can slow those down or tort those things for a period of time, but the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. I didn't start this way this morning, but that's where we're at. And I really believe that the Lord has spoken to my heart and he said that Grace Church is a light that's going to shine. It is a light that's going to shine. As darkness starts to cover this country, because it is, as darkness starts to cover this country, Grace Church is going to be a light. Because we put Jesus first. We put the Word first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, I don't think you understand, but this church is going to be a light. I mean, there are going to be people coming from northeast, southwest to this church. And I really believe that the Lord told me it's, it's already, the, the revival has already started to happen twice, but the wisdom of man has stopped it. Hallelujah. But not this time. Because we're in the Word. We are grounded. We are grounded. Hallelujah. We got to understand when revival starts, things aren't normal. 
they aren't normal, but yet they are in God's world. Because he is supernatural. We serve a supernatural God. Hallelujah. I don't know, this is just kind of coming as I'm talking here, but be ready. That's the word I get is be ready. You know, and, and whenever I say the the church, Grace Church is a light that shines in the darkness, understand that Grace Church is not this building. Grace Church is you, me, everybody in here. So we all have to be lights that are shining in the darkness. In order for Grace Church to accomplish the things that it has been set out to do, we all have to do our part. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Revival is coming. It is coming. And it's so needed. I was reading an article the other day that said that in the last 10 years, Christianity has dropped by 32% in the United States. That's changing. And we're part of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are we ready? That's what I hear. Are we ready? I think we're ready. Amen. Anyway, now to get into what I wanted to talk about. Uh, somebody have their Bible handy there? I'll pull it up here. I'm not a whiz at these things, but we'll give it a whiz. Uh, Bible. Okay, in Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. You know, it's plural there, them. So anyway, we was, we was created in Christ Jesus. Whenever we was created upon this earth, we were, we were made perfect. Because we were the, you know, it says that we were created in him. So if we were created in Christ, we had it. We had everything. We had everything. So what happened? We know that the devil came and told Adam and Eve, if you'll eat from this tree, you'll become like God. How many churches today in this world are trying to say, if you'll do this, you'll become like God? You know, if you give $777.77, that's perfect numbers, you'll become like God. The devil's still trying to deceive the people of the church. Praise God, we got the word. We know what the word says. Hallelujah. He can't deceive us. 
And that is so vital whenever revival comes because whenever revival comes, things get different and you have to stay standing on the word. You have to. You can't let the, the, the devil... I mean, the devil, the only thing he's got is deception. The only thing he can use is deception. He has no power. Deception's all he has. And if we're, we're created in Christ Jesus, and whenever we are born again, whenever we ask Christ in our heart, we are created in Christ Jesus again. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, I believe it is, it says that, For we have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ that lives within me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So... Whenever, whenever uh, John was in prison, he sent to question Jesus. He says, are you the one, or is there another yet to come? And Jesus said, go tell him what you've seen. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the... Set the captive free. And we are walking in Christ Jesus. Because Christ Jesus lives within us. So what are we doing? We should be healing the eyes of the blind. We should be seeing the lame to walk. We should be seeing the deaf to hear. Hearing <laughs> the deaf to speak. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's put this within us, in Christ Jesus. It's not us, it's Christ Jesus in us. You know, just like I, I told that one time, you know, whenever I lay hands on somebody, it's no different than Jesus laying hands on somebody because Jesus lives within me. Hallelujah. It is absolutely no different. And I cannot think, Pastor, I was talking this morning, I cannot think of a scripture in the Bible where somebody went to Jesus and asked for healing, and he said, no, I can't do that today. No, you're not worthy of it. He didn't. He did not. He healed all. You know, in, in uh, Acts 10, 38, I believe it is, it says, For Jesus and Nazareth, who was anointed by the Holy Ghost and by power, went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. All. All is a pretty large number, right? So there's no reason that you and I, if we have Christ living within us, there's no reason that you and I aren't doing the exact same thing that Jesus did. The only thing we can't do is die for the sins of the world because he already done that. Amen. Hallelujah. But it said, you know, in that first scripture I read, it said, in them. You know, so we have Christ Jesus with, within us. And we have the Holy Ghost that's within us. So he says that, you know, in, in John 14, he says, the miracles I do, you'll do more. We got both of them. We got both of them working for us. 
working in us. Not for us, but working in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got to be ready. We got to be ready. So when we don't see, when we pray for people, we don't see miracles happen. I don't understand. Because we should be seeing them every time. Jesus did it every time. We just aren't, we don't understand who we are in Christ, I really believe. You know, this, I've been reading a lot of scriptures on who I am in Christ. And it's just, I mean, we are everything in Christ. We are everything in Christ. Hallelujah. And he wants to use us. He wants to be part of our lives. Hallelujah. I would say at the end of the service today, after I think Laura's going to share and after Pastor Chris shares, but I think we need to put this all in our heart. And I think at the end of the service today, I believe we're going to see some miracles take place in some people's lives. There's no reason not to. If you need something, Jesus has it. He has it. You know, in, in uh can't think of the scripture right now, but it's in John, I know, but he says that there's coming a day when you, you will ask me for nothing. Jesus says, you will ask me for nothing, but you will ask the Father in my name. Jesus has accomplished everything that he came to do in our lives so we don't we are in Christ Jesus so when we ask the Father we are asking in Jesus name because we're in Christ Jesus we don't have we don't ask Jesus for anything we are in Christ Jesus so we go straight to the Father and ask him whenever we need something that's what Jesus did he asked the Father and the Father did what he said he would do Jesus said I only do what I hear my father say hallelujah Hallelujah. Think about it, people. Think about who he is. Think about who we are in him or who he is in us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I think this will piggyback real good off of what you're sharing, Jim. So... I think probably a lot of you know that I serve as a chaplain in Omaha. I visit retirement communities, and there's there's just something I've been sharing that since really since the new year, and God has just so put it on my heart, um, and I just believe it really falls in line here. Um, but anyway, I received a Christmas letter from the lady who actually taught me the piano. She she really just mentored me in prayer and worship. And um, I, as a little kid, I took piano, um, sight reading only, and got bored with it, and, you know, went off to 
other thing, you know, I sang in choirs and I still was kind of into music, but then at the age of 30, I had the opportunity and she just poured into me and we'd have these times of worship and just her training, her training me. And uh, she's just like a, a spiritual mom, you know, kind of person in, in my life. So she wrote this, this letter um, that, and I just respect her, you know, she's just, anyway, full of love, full of the word of God. And, um, exudes his love to everybody around her. I remember when I would play and, and I would be so focused on my hands, she'd go, no, you need to sing too, because you're going to be a worship leader one day. <laughs> and she would, at the end, she would put her hands on mine and she'd pray the anointing of God into my life. And I just leave that place just feeling like I've been to church, you know, <laughs> but um, just, you know, very, very special. But, and so this, I just want to share part of what um, her, her Christmas letter um, and then go from there. Um, she says, each year I ask the Lord for a word for the year ahead. This year I felt the word perseverance. In everything, we need God's encouragement and anointing to continue on in a spirit of perseverance. For 2023, and she says in capital letters, steadfastness. May we remain steadfast, immovable in our faith, and our intimacy with the Lord daily in his presence. That's very important. Daily, being in his presence daily, right? Pastor talks about communion daily. I need to work on that. I Maybe a couple times a week right now. But, you know, daily, you know, just doing what it takes to be close in, in intimacy with him in his presence. There's something neat about corporate, but also personal. There's both. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um pressing on to higher ground in the things of God. So thankful our God is our helper. He's our healer, our provider. He is God of mercy, and all we need is in Jesus. And I was just thinking about perseverance, steadfastness, persistence is another one. I'm one that likes definitions. Persistence means the quality that allows someone to continue doing something or trying to do something, even though it is difficult or there's opposition right? You're not going to let go. Um, Terry's going to laugh at this, but we have three grand dogs. One of them's name is Zoe, and she's a very big yellow lab. Her favorite thing to do is eat, you know, <laughs> but her second favorite thing to do is to play tug of war, and she's a big dog, so we've got the big rope thing, you know, with the knot on it. You guys know what I'm talking about when you play tug of war, and she, boy, we'll go, and we'll play tug of war with her, and after about 30 seconds, I got to let go, I'm like, mm, I'm done. And then she'll bring it back to me like, come on, Grandma, do it again, do it again. You know, but I just think that's persistent. She's not going to let go. Like a bulldog, I, no, come hell or high water, no matter what, I am not letting go. I'm going to keep pressing on with God, keep pressing on into the higher things, and I will not be distracted by opposition, by others, or whatever it is. I'm going to keep pressing on to higher ground in Him. And so... Just a couple of parables here, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to Pastor. But Luke chapter 18, the parable of the persistent widow. And I love how Jesus taught in parables, and parables meaning stories, which I love stories. I don't know about you guys, but I just love to hear somebody's story and, you know, tell me about you and whatever and whatever stories. And Jesus taught in par parables so that he could explain something about the kingdom of God and things that we could understand and relate to. You know, the kingdom of heaven is like this, you know? And so here is one of his parables. 
Um, it says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, i.e. persistence, <laughs> she was bothering him. I'm not going anywhere. I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. Another version says she won't wear me out with her coming. <laughs> that, this lady, hey, I'm here again, judge. You better give me what I want because I know you don't care, but that's okay. I'm coming back because I need justice. And she was not going to, she's the bulldog. I'm not taking no for an answer, right? And I love this, what Jesus said. He said, the Lord said, this next part, listen to what this unjust judge said. He didn't care, right? Listen to what he says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? There's two questions. Will God not bring it? Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Now we know that God won't. So the other way to say it is in a statement. Let's, let's think about it like this. And God will bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. We are his chosen ones. You know, our job, what? Cry out to him day and night. Our job. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, why am I? You know, it's a good time to seek God. It's a good time to cry out to him, right? Day and night. Our job is we do what we're supposed to do and then God does what he's supposed to do, right? But our job is to cry out to him day and night. And then the next statement, he will not keep putting them off. I love that. I'm like, yay, God, it's happening. It's going to happen. Justice, your righteousness, your justice. You know, we want your justice, Lord. Amen. Um, he says, I, t I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. We can bank on that one, right? However, and this, this next question just has been ringing in my heart. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Is he going to find faith when he comes? I want to say, yes, right here. Yes. <laughs> yes, you will find faith right here. We believe you, Lord. We trust you, God. We are here. Yes, we are your people. We're going to be persistent. We're not going to take no for an answer. We're going to keep going in, in you, Lord, in Christ, no matter what. We're going to keep doing what you've called us to do. We're going to stay in our lane. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to love one another. We're going to pray. We're going to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You know, all those things, Lord, we are going to not give up. I think that's what he wants to say. Don't give up, you know. Then Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13 it says, then Jesus said to them, and this is another parable, the parable of the persistent friend. Suppose you have a friend and go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up to get you anything. I tell you, he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship Yet, because of your shameless audacity versus, you know, persistence, hey, I, I really need this bread. I know you're asleep. I'm so sorry, but I, I really need it. So here I am. I'm not going anywhere. It could be two in the morning. I'm still going to be knocking on your door, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, 
but because of his shameless audacity, in other words, perseverance, right, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So, and this is very familiar to us, but I love it. Okay, it all ties together. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. You know, when I think of that word seek, anybody ever used to play hide and seek? I still play it with my, oh, back there, these, these big kids, they, they still play hide and seek. <laughs> anyway, and so, of course, I got to tell my grandkids stories, right? So Isaac, our little four-year-old, little fiery red grandson, that's one of his favorite things right now is to play hide and seek. But it's so funny because what he will do is he, I'll count, and he'll go hide like little Hot Wheel cars or whatever all around the house. He's like, okay, Grandma, you can be done counting now because I've already hidden them all, right? And so I'll go, okay, okay, here we go. And then he'll go, okay, Grandma, here, look, I put one right there. Here's one. Here's one. <laughs> I don't have to work really hard. And he's all excited. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I went to pull something out of our lazy Susan in our house, and there was still a Hot Wheels car in there. <laughs> we missed one. But, you know, I just think he, he loves that, you know, the hide and seek. It's just fun. But not that God is hiding from us, but he wants us to pursue him. He wants us to chase after him. You know, and again, I shared it, you know, you will seek me when you find me and you search for me with all of your heart. That's what we're talking about. Not that God's hiding. He wants us to pursue him. That's the point, right? So I'm going to say it again. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, would give him a snake? No. <laughs> or if your son asks for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? No. If then, you then, though you are evil, know how to get good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, right? He is the most precious gift. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking about him, who the Holy Spirit is. You know, one definition is he's the spirit of truth. And just like, like what Jim was saying, that, that Satan's m mission is deception. God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are the way, the truth, you know, the truth. And so if we're not sure what the truth is, that's why David said in Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart, Lord, that I will not sin against you. You know, his word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path, right? So that truth needs to be hidden in our hearts. We need to deposit that truth. Just like you go to the bank and you deposit money, because if you're paying bills and there's no deposit there, you're in trouble. We got to have deposits of the Holy Spirit, deposits of the word of God regularly into our hearts so that it's there. No matter what's going on, that's, it's the word of God in our heart, right? So he is the spirit of truth. The Bible says he will lead and guide us into all the truth, right? And then the other thing about the Holy Spirit I just touch on is that he is the one, the helper. He's the one called alongside to help us in our time of need. You know, I was thinking, if you've ever fallen down and then there's that person that might come and just say, oh, or, you know, with my grand, let's just say my grandkids, you know, if he, if he falls down and skins his knee, I'm going to be right there to, to scoop him into my arms and let's pray for you and let's kiss the owie and put, you know, put a band-aid on it and whatever. 
But that's a picture, like the Holy Spirit, like he helps us in our time of weakness. He helps us. He's the one called alongside when we're weak. That's how, how Paul could say, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because <laughs> his power is made perfect in my weakness. That was the Holy Spirit working in Paul. So praise God. Um, just that perseverance, that persistence, ask, seek, knock, right? And um, I just believe that that's something that the Lord, and, and I really believe everything, what you were saying too, you know, it just all works together. So dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. God, may we be found, Lord, to ask, to seek, to knock, to never give up, to be perseverant, Lord, to be steadfast, immovable, unshakable in our faith and our trust in you. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You got the other one. I do, thank you. That's good, I appreciate that, guys. If you got your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 1 real quick. I'm not going to go through what I intended to go through today, but I want to look at something, kind of going off of what everybody said. You know, it's good when the Holy Spirit is moving on the hearts and lives of people in their everyday world. And a lot of times we fall into a trap where we just assume that the pastor is the only one that hears from the Lord and that he's the only one that the Lord will give a word for him or anything like that. And that is definitely not the case. But in Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 15. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. And we're going to stop for just a second. This is Paul talking to the church in Ephesus. Okay? So he says, therefore, that means there's a bunch of stuff that goes before this. And as a result of this, after he had heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him. Now, the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in what? The knowledge of him. It's knowing who he is. Knowing what he does, knowing how he moves, knowing who you are in relationship to him. This is the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes, verse 18, of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the work of his mighty power. Now let's go back. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened means that you are no longer in darkness. You know, Jim talked about earlier about us being a light in a dark world. You see, our eyes have been opened to see the reality of God's kingdom. We live it. We see it. We speak it. We breathe it. We're in a world that does not share that. It says, the eyes of your understanding being light, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, the riches of the glory of of his inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power towards who? Us who believe. That means it's not towards everybody. It's towards everybody who believes. You see, you have to make a decision. I'm going to stand in what God has said. I'm not going to be carnally minded, focus on the things of this world, the things I see, touch, hear, feel. I'm going back to what God has said. His reality. Which he worked, verse 20, in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him 
at the right hand in the heavenly places. Now, we know what this means. The right hand is the place of authority. He's seated. Who seated him? Did Jesus walk in, kick down the door and say, yo, my seat. No, the Father sat him, designated authority to him. Then it says, it is far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Now stop again. Principality, power, might, and dominion are four names that we don't know. We don't talk like that. Okay? These are spiritual strongholds. They might be in your individual lives. They might be over a city. They could be over a state. They might be over a country. They're certainly influencing our world. And while we don't maybe have the ability to directly distinguish and say, okay, well, that's a dominion and that's a might, because we don't know, right? What we do know is that Christ is above them. And if nothing else, the last part, every name that is named, that leaves everything. No stone unturned. So what is above the authority that has been given to Christ? There is no thing. Nothing. Do we live like that? Do we believe that? We say it. But do we believe it? Let's just get real, folks. We say a lot of things. I'll never forget the first time I heard, you got to be washed in the blood. I was thinking about Carrie, the movie, for some of you older folk. Like, that's a hard pass from this guy. I didn't know what they were talking about. We say a lot of things. Do we believe everything that comes out of our mouth? How do we prove it? Let me ask you this. When we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and and we'll use uh, the, the Cornelius event with Peter. He was preaching, right? He didn't know why he was going to be there. He had no idea what he was showing up to do. Holy Spirit said, go, he went. Okay? Which is good advice. Doesn't know what he's going to do when he gets there. So he asks, I'm here. Now what? Cornelius tells him a story. He said, an angel told us that you would tell us all the things of God. So go ahead, preacher man. No pressure. So Peter opens up his mouth and just begins to exhort and to begin to preach the gospel essentially and it says while he was still preaching the holy spirit fell upon them now how did he know was there a rushing mighty wind it doesn't say that were there tongues of fire above each of the head of every one of them it doesn't say that either did their shirt change color i don't know like what was there something unique about it no there was something that was manifested in them right it was the uh, they began to speak in tongues and glorify god and then he later goes on is like well if god gave them the holy spirit just as us then how can there be any distinction after he had the vision there was something that they did that exemplified the change that had taken place in them now do we believe what the words of god says how do we know it changes what we do it's impact. We've been talking about flying a lot lately. Do you know why? Because airplanes don't like to stay in the air lately. Okay? I don't know what the deal is, but that's just not, I'm not getting in any airplane right now. Okay? I got things to do. But we were talking about like all these maneuvers that a person has to do, and I went flying with Terry one time. 
okay? Terry may be the best pilot in the world. I have no idea. I have no comparison. I survived it. That's what I know, okay? But we were hitting turbulence, and I had Ariana with me, and I had Isaac with me, and Ariana was freaking out, and Isaac was freaking out, and me sitting in the front was freaking out. You know who wasn't freaking out? Terry, this is like, this isn't even that bad. I'm like, what do you mean? We're all about to die. The plane is shaking. And he was talking about having to take a corner through a bunch of geese one time and all of that. And it's like, no big deal. Y'all, it's a big deal. But the point is, is that for him, he believed the ability to do it. He believes turbulence does not crash the plane. You do believe that, right? He didn't tell me anything to the difference. So he just goes like it's no big deal. You have no problem jumping out of an airplane in a parachute on if you really believe the parachute will save your life. But if you hesitate, it means you're not fully persuaded. So he goes on. <coughs> Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. What age? The age that we're in, the age that we will be in. And he put all things under his feet and gave him, who's him? Jesus. To be head over all things. What are all things? Yeah, very good. You guys are doing great. To the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is what? His body. So it's connected to the head. Right? Chapter 2, verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, the spirit of now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and, of, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved, and raised us up to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. To sit where? Together. Where? The right hand of the Father. That in the ages to come, he might show his exceeding riches and his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the question, guys. And this is what we're talking about. This is what Jim was talking about. And, and what Laura is talking about is, is that we have to be persistent, consistent, all the instants. We have to get them all. We are not. We are not consistent with our messaging. We are not tenacious towards the things of God, towards the words of God. We're not tenacious towards the Spirit of God. We want comfort. We want revival in the sense that we just want those, those precious times in the presence of God where just crazy things are happening. And you can just cut it with a knife. And if you've been in it, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, I pray that the day comes that you are in it because it is phenomenal. But that's not revival. Those are incredible moments. You see them throughout Scripture. You see them throughout church history. I mean, the presence of God was so thick when they Hanukkah the temple that they couldn't get in. Wouldn't that be cool? Like we couldn't get out. We're stuck. Wouldn't that be cool? And those are incredible. But the moving of the Holy Spirit is not for the saints. 
for the unbelievers. You see, we've relegated the mission of the church to get people to the building. And the building's important. But we don't believe the words that we say. I mean, if we truly believed, and I, I guarantee you, I'll just show a hand. How many of you guys believe that Jesus could return at any moment? Any moment. That moment could be in now. We missed it. If that's true, and you really believe that, why are we doing nothing? Why is every day not this day like this could be the last one? I have loved ones, co-workers, people I care about that I've not intentionally taken the message of the gospel to. I don't mean that you've lived your life in a way that they see your holiness and how happy you are and that you know everything's going well. That's important. That's not the mandate of making a disciple. If we really believe it. So the question is, we really either don't believe it, or we don't care. I mean, you think about this. Every time you hear somebody say, I just cannot wait for Jesus to return. Do they have the mission of the gospel at heart? No. They're wanting out of here. And I get it. See, guys, this world can suck. Are we recording this? Super. I mean, it can. Just like you, I get tired of the nonsense. I get tired of constantly having to defend the position of what Scripture says. I get tired of, of us taking God and like his big mound of Play-Doh and be like, I think I'll add an eye here or an ear there. I'll make him look just like me. I get tired of it. Really tired of it. I get tired of the attacks. I get attacked. Y'all get attacked. Everybody gets attacked. I'm no different than anybody else. I'm not special. I get tired of it. But at the end of the day, I, I, I mean, I can't get past this. God, please, not today. Not today. I got people I care about. I've got a brother that's sitting in prison right now. I want to see his life turn around. Not today, Lord. One more. I'm being selfish. So if he doesn't come today, blame me. I'll take it. Think about it, guys. See, this is the problem. And what I plan to talk about is the principles of salvation because it's so important because we don't understand it. We know the words. We don't know what they mean. We know how to use them. We've improperly used so much of this because we have been... Here's, here's what the church has done for the last, I'm going to say 50 years, maybe longer, maybe shorter. I don't know. I'm telling you my experience and that's what I go off of and the people I talk to, okay? Most of what we believe has been brought on through osmosis. In other words, by being in the environment, we hear these things, we make assumptions, we just kind of think we know what the words mean, but we never actually break them down and say, okay, but what, but what does it mean to be saved? And how does one actually get saved? And as a result of this salvation and this being born again, what happens in our life? But what we just read is, what happens when we are born again? We're seated at the right hand of the Father, connected to the head, which is Christ. His body is the church, which is all believers. And therefore, what name is above what you have? There isn't one. So when are we going to believe it? You know, it's funny. We talk about COVID and all the stuff that went on during that. And what do you hear so many churches saying today is it completely different than they did two, three years ago whenever all that stuff was going on. Church needs to stand up. Needs to rise up. That's great. We had an opportunity. How'd we do? We didn't. 
We Big C. We didn't close. Like, we, we stayed consistent. But that was not true for the majority. Because we don't believe the words that we're saying. Rama, the school I went to, you know, they closed their healing school. Anybody else taken aback by that? Healing school. That means you go in there and you learn how to walk in healing. Shut it down. Ask me how disappointed I was. Very. They didn't ask my opinion. They probably won't either. They probably don't even know who I am. You know why they did it? They have an incredible relationship with their governor. And their governor is a good man. And he was trying to, like everybody else, trying to figure it out. And they were just trying to play nice and, and keep that, that. And I understand it. I understand it. It's wrong. Okay? I'm not saying it with the right thing. I understand why they did it. But if we just take 30 seconds and think through this. What is the implication of every decision I make? What is the implication is during a time where we're afraid of a virus, do we shut down the healing school, which is conceivably where people come to be prayed for to get healed, and people come to be trained to walk in the area of healing, how to minister it. What is the message that I am sending to the world? I don't believe this works. Or that it works all the other times, but not this time. That's the message. There's no other message no other message you see there's not a name that's above that name there's nothing named that's not underneath Jesus' authority and we are his body so as we pray for revival most of us truthfully don't want it because we don't know what it means here's what it means there is this hunger that takes place of repentance it's not doing backflips off the stage that might happen not with me. But any of y'all wanted to go nuts. That would be a move of God. For sure. And if it wasn't, we better get like a tractor to move me out of here. Cause <coughs> but but it, 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 it's, it starts here. Like it starts with, God, I'm so sorry that I've been so carnally minded for all these years. I mean, how many times have you guys met somebody that they said, the Lord told me, and they go and do something stupid? You know, the, the Lord told me I need to not go to church anymore. Oh, did he now? I mean, well, and, and you can simplify that. The Lord told me to go take this other job, and then they up to miserable, because what were they chasing? Higher income. You know how many pastors I hear? Have you ever, maybe you haven't noticed. Let me explain to you what typically happens. The Lord calls a pastor out to a different church. And almost always is to a bigger church with a higher salary. Isn't that a coincidence? Thank God for that. There's nothing wrong with those things. Okay? But what is the motive? You better be called by God. Right? We do the same thing here. We have a mission. We want revival. We say it. But do we really? Because revival starts in our heart. It starts with like, I'm not going to be like this. If I really believe that I am the express image of God on this earth, that my words are his words, and these are his hands, and these are his feet, and the rest of this is all his, which is why I have been making sure he's got plenty of room in there, and he's doing well, okay? Yes, Jim, hallelujah, amen, okay? All right? No one-room huts for him. But I mean, if I really believe that, 
then the way that I carry myself in every situation changes. I don't allow myself to lose my cool and just espouse nonsense. To sling my golf club into the lake every time I hit a bad shot because I'd have no golf clubs left. I mean, but think about that. The, when I'm, I'm at work and I'm listening to people say certain things and are being, I'm just not going to be a part of that. Like, if I really believe that in me, the Spirit of Christ is in me, and I am carrying that light into this dark world, there are things that I'm just simply not going to be a part of. I'm not going to be a partaker of. And it also means that there is nothing that I will fear because He's the head, I'm the body. There's nothing named that's above His name. There's nothing. There's not an authority that He doesn't have. There's nothing that can usurp that authority. I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to act differently. I'm going to jump out of that plane fearlessly. You know, there are crazy people that do that. They jump out of a plane fearlessly. Why? They have faith in that parachute. Think about that, y'all. I mean, I know it's crazy to think about, but that's where it is. Where's my faith at? Will I step out? Will I do the things that He's told me to do? So let's stand up. And we're just going to take a minute and pray. And Laura, if you wouldn't mind jumping on the keys, and if you've got a song, just do your thing. But let's just seek the Lord. Let's, let's do what, what Jim was saying this morning. Let's just seek the Lord for a moment. That God will move, can move. But it starts in our heart. It starts right here. You know, when the Spirit of God moves in the lives of the many, it always is a bunch of individuals. It starts right here. And so let's just seek the Lord for a moment and just see where He goes.
not your hearts be troubled you believe in God believe also in me see in my father's house there are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you but I go to prepare a place for you if I go and prepare that place I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also and where I go you know and the way you know I am the way the truth and the life but no man will come to the father except through me and if you had known me You'd have known my Father. And from now on you know Him and have seen Him. Have I been with you so long that you have not known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So you can say, show us the Father. But do you not believe that I am in the Father? And the Father is in me. And the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father <coughs> who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works himself. But most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. The, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it.
Thank you, Jesus. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I spoke to you. Abide in me, and I in you. Abide in me, and I in you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and it's withered. They gather him up, they throw him into the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Sing that out, Lord. Just cry this out, church. It should be our cry to Him. Be lifted high in my world. Be lifted high in my love. Be lifted high. Just declare it to Him in my life. prayer for anything I want you to just raise your hand anything at all whether it's healing in your body maybe something's going on whatever it is maybe there's an attack that's been going on and you just want someone to pray with you if you see a hand raised I'm going to ask you to go to that person because this isn't about me it's about us we walk in it so if we get some people to gather around Yoli back over here as well and just pray for them <coughs> the spirit of God moves Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So you abide in me and I abide in you. Thank you, Jesus. 
thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Spirit of God pouring Him out, making Himself real, mighty and powerful. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, pour yourself out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. See, the Spirit of God favors no one. And everybody has an opportunity to walk in His fullness and His power. But some will choose to sit on the sidelines, and it's a choice that they make. But God wants to move through anybody who's willing and able. The ability will come, but the willingness is on you. And the Spirit of God wants to move each and every day in every part of your life, but you have to press in. You have to move towards Him. You have to have that, that connection to Him. The sensitivity to hear from Him. But there will be some that are going to sit on the sideline. And it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter where God's going. They will sit and watch. They'll be observers. They'll be in the room, but they won't be part of the river that's flowing. But there will be some. That will go wherever, wherever God is moving. God's looking for willing vessels. You get to decide if you're a willing vessel. The thing that this world will become a lot smaller the deeper you press in. We thank you. We thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You got anything else, Jim?
it's so so imperative for us to understand this I was walking through the mall one day and I walked past this guy in a wheelchair and as I was walking along it was almost like my feet could not move that for some reason I knew I was supposed to go whether it was minister the gospel or him whether it's to lay hands on him for healing I don't know Unfortunately, I managed to keep walking, but it was just like ropes were tied around my feet and they didn't want me to keep going. Don't do that. Don't do that. I've regretted that day ever since. Yep. I mean, I've asked for forgiveness of the, of the Father, but I've regretted that I wasn't obedient ever yep. since. You know, there's a lot of times in the Bible where it talks about, I, I mean, there's, where it talks about, you know, like David, you know, he, he uh, you know, people say, well, he was tested because he had to fight the lion. He had to fight the bear before he could go up against the Philistine. You know, uh, Daniel, he had to go into the lion's den before they could appoint him. No. No, God's not going to put you through a test like that. You put yourself through that test. God sees your obedience to stand in the face of your enemy and then he will anoint you to do what you need to be done he don't test you he sees your obedience he sees your obedience and he knows he can trust you it's not a test it's not a test Bible says that he can't test us with evil. But he can look at our heart and see our dedication to him. That day I walked by that guy, I was not dedicated. That guy's life could have been changed in a minute. Yep. And I praise God that somebody else was obedient. Yep. But don't let it happen. God speaks to you, do what he says. Yep. Hallelujah. Willing vessels. Willing vessels. You know, we talk about the big things, but it starts in the little things. I mean, most of us talk about the idea that we'd be willing to give up our lives for the sake of Christ and the gospel and all of that. And there are parts of the world that that's a very real thing. I was having a conversation with our friend in Pakistan here, and you'll hear more about him next week, but... Um, there are books that he has on his bookshelf that if he gets caught with them will cost him his life. That's a reality he lives in every day. But most of us, <coughs> excuse me, will make that, that statement, but we're not willing to give up a TV show, free time, inconvenience. If it snows or too cold, we don't want to be a part of it. It's too sunny, too perfect. I want to go out on the boat. Oh, football game starts at noon. You talk too long. Part of that's true. You know, I mean, we're not willing to do the little thing. We're not willing vessels. And I've had those moments as well, Jim. And they, they tear at your heart and they eat you up. And you always sit there and think, what if? Thank God he's merciful. You got anything, Lord? I mean, and I don't always like what you, I, you know, but it, 
there are times where I know that God's prompted me as well, and I've just kind of, oh, no, I argue with him. And there was one time I was at Walmart, and he goes, I told you, go talk to that person. <laughs> you know, so I just went, I like it, you know, if you're, you know, and it, it was a veteran that was disabled, and, you know, I chatted with him and just said, Jesus loves you so much, and just, you know, he wanted me to come talk to you, and he wants you to know how much you love him, and can I pray for you? And he said, sure. So we prayed, and, you know, and then I said, do you know him? He said, yeah. I said, okay, praise God. You know, I mean, I just, and then that was it, you know, but it was like, I'm so glad I did that, you know, but, um, and then just, I mean, this is silly, but last week I was getting my nails done, and the lady doing my nails uh, put on a brace on her hand as she was working with me. I said, well, what's, going on with your hand she goes I'm just I have carpal tunnel I'm not having feeling in it and so I need the brace and I just thought I, I need to pray for her you know so I did I, I got bold I'm like so when the time came, you know and I said you know I believe in Christ and I believe that he loves you and he he can heal you and I said would you would I could I pray for you right now and she said sure <laughs> you know we prayed together she goes that was so special nobody's ever done that for me before you know I mean it was just but it's, it's the Lord just showing people how much he loves them. Just yep. stupid little things, you yep. know? But it's like, that's it. It's the, just, you know, in your everyday, you know, whoever whoever God you know, illuminates. Um, so. Willing vessel. Praise God. And Every then day. there's one lady, one more, and I'll be done. <laughs> but there's a lady in, in one of the retirements I was at last week, and she used to go to our church. She used to go to Glad Tidings years ago. She knew it was Bib Schrader. But anyway, and I recognized her. And I, um, anyway, she's new to that, and it's a nursing care, so she hopefully will be there for a little while and then back up, out again. But she, she is not able to walk right now. And she said, I'm standing on Isaiah 53 about by his stripes I'm healed. I'm going to walk and this and that. I'm like... Yeah, let's have a prayer meeting. Let's, yes, amen, you know. So, yes, I'm agreeing with you, you know, and just, so praise God. Her name is Diana. So we just, just yeah, we're believing for healing. She is determined. She's going to walk, and she's going to go back to her apartment again. You know, just, just that whoever God brings, encourage, you know, just, yeah, hallelujah. I think it's a little easier sometimes for me because I'm a chaplain, so that people look at me already like, oh, yeah, she knows God. You know, but it doesn't matter. You don't have to have any title. We're all his children. That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. So, praise God. Yep. No, that's good. And, and just willing vessels in, in everyday life. And I'm not going to go into the long story, but I told you guys about that gal from Walmart that the Lord told me to pray for. And I didn't do it and left and then came back. Yeah. You know, but as I was praying for when we got done, she said, being Jewish, and she said, I just prayed just last week, God, if you're real, send someone to me. And I was in a hurry. And I almost didn't do it. I walked past, and I had to get back out of my truck and go back in. We need to be willing vessels. God's moving. So thank you guys for being sensitive to the Spirit, the leading. Does anybody else have anything they want to share before we go? A lot of us, um, well, some of us are questioning, how do I get into the presence of God? You know, what is His presence? Uh, in a very simple way, I think it's love. How much do you love God? How much do you love Jesus? And that's how I explain it. You know, the, the thing that you love the most, 
what you're passionate. If you don't, let's say that you didn't have a mother or a father because you love your parents, right? If you don't, if you didn't experience that love and you become a parent, how do you love those children? You lay down your life for them. You know, that is love. Or do you have a hobby that you are very passionate about it? Fishing. You know, my husband used to fish all the time. He was very passionate. But now he's very passionate about shooting. And I'll go with him. He loves going out trap shooting. He's passionate, but he's more passionate about God than all of those things. And that's, that's love. Love toward God. Get into his presence. It's very easy. But I warn you, you will be no good for laundry. You will not be good for cooking. You don't want to work. You just want to be in his presence. And my husband can tell you that for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Willing vessel. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you that we are guided by both. I thank you, Lord, that, that in our hearts that we're making changes, that you're opening our eyes to the revelation that we aren't who we say we are. We're not walking in the fullness of the things that we say we believe, Lord, but that we will begin to walk in that fullness, Lord, in the power, in the authority, recognizing who we are. And we won't let the cares of this world or anything like that keep us from pressing in. That you will be first and foremost in our lives. And that everything we do is to bring glory to you. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.